What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill. We've got Mike Lanana here, and we want to thank you for tuning in to today's uh, podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ, helping health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com BA to see if you qualify. Now, Mike, it's uh, another Monday. It's, uh, it's tax day, I guess. Uh, did you do your taxes? Uh, I will be. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, among, I'm among the people scrambling right now in the United States of America to do his taxes. But honestly, college baseball and this podcast, way more important. They are. And, way more important. And so in addition to it being tax day, it's another College Monday, which means there's a new edition of the Baseball America Top 25. And, and you can check that out over at BaseballAmerica.com. Yeah, nothing, there's nothing taxing about listening to this podcast. You're going to enjoy this podcast. I'll leave that to the, to the listeners to decide. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to think so as well. So in this uh, new edition of the Baseball America Top 25, powered by Louisville Slugger, it was a little more calm this week around the country. Uh, you know, We had a few weeks of a lot of turmoil in the Top 25, and this week things are a little more status quo. Yeah, almost a little disappointingly calm. You know, I like I kind of like the chaos to a degree, <laughs> although I guess it's nice to get a little breather and, uh, you know, Take a week to... Every week can't be chaos. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Some some weeks you just need things to go as you expect them to go. Some weeks you can predict ball. Um, this week, yeah, not a whole lot changed. It was chalk through four. We did a little shuffling in the top ten. Really, you know, the biggest series that happened was outside of the top ten, uh, for me at least, in the Big 12 uh, between Texas and Oklahoma, battling for the Big 12 crown there. We thought coming into the year... You know, this is Texas Tech's division, Texas Tech's conference to win. And Texas Tech is doing great. Um, they're in our top 10. But Texas and Oklahoma have made things really interesting here. Uh, Texas goes to Oklahoma, obviously a very fierce rivalry there. And they take that series, a huge series win for them. Uh, they were a team that were in our preseason top 25, hit a little bit of a lull a few weeks ago, have turned it on since since really since Big 12 play started, although they, they struggled a little bit out of the gate there too. But now they're sitting in first place in the Big 12 at 11-4, and four, ahead of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Another pleasant surprise in the Big 12 this year, a team that's taken a nice step forward after a down year last year. And all of a sudden, this Big 12, you have Texas Tech in fourth place, and you don't have a lot of games separating these four teams. I mean, what do you make of this picture right now? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's very interesting. Those those four teams are all within three games of each other. Um, you know, and if you look at it in one way, Texas is on top. If you look at it another way, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are tied for being in first place. Like, there's nothing separating these teams at this point, essentially. And, um, you know, so it was a big weekend for Texas to go up on the road um, and, and find a way to win a couple really tough games at Oklahoma. 
Um, you can read more about this in, in off the bat over at baseballamerica.com. But you know, when I was talking with Coach David Pierce last night, uh, you know, he was talking about just the way that um, the Longhorns competed all weekend, just how hard they, they fought for these wins, and you know, they they went into Friday nights. They're late in Friday night's game. They're losing, and they score. I think it's three runs in the ninth inning to come back for a, a seven to six win, and then on Saturday it was. You know, Oklahoma jumps out to a three nothing lead kind of early on. Uh, Texas fights back to to tie it up in like the sixth or the seventh maybe, and then uh, Zach Zubia hit a, a two run homer in the eighth that ultimately proved to be the difference, and that's how Texas wins this series. And then Oklahoma finishes it off, um, wins the finale, which was a significant result for the Sooners as well because it does like that win kept them ahead of Texas in the loss column. They still have a series in hand. Texas has played one more series, so the Sooners still have, are, are, find themselves in a good position because they found a way to, to make sure that they won a game, uh, you know, having lost these two really tough, kind of heartbreaking games that, um, you know, really could have broken their spirit, I guess, in some ways. But, you know, they come back and, and they finish strong on Sunday. But overall, really good weekend for Texas at the end of what, must have been a very emotional week for the Longhorns. It started on last Monday, um, which was the celebration for life for Augie Garrido. This team is still largely composed of players he recruited. Many of them were coached by him. Um, you know, so that's weighing on them still, or, or you know, I mean that that he died a month ago. And you know, so they're they're still um, you know, dealing with, with all of that. And then on Tuesday, they go to, to College Station and, and play a, their other huge rival in A&M, and they lose by one run in another really tough game. Uh, and, and then they, they go up at, for, for this rivalry series. So it was just a big, difficult week for Texas. And, and to come out of that at 2-2, two and two, I think is a really nice week for them. They rise to 20 in the, the top 25 this week. And um, you know, they're in a really strong position here in the Big 12. Yeah, no, they, they definitely are. And then you look at them this next week coming up. Things take a little bit of a, a dip schedule-wise for them. They it's don't, a breather. It's a breather. Yeah, they don't have to play a Big 12 series this weekend, so they get a little break from the grind of that. Meanwhile, Oklahoma has to pick itself right back up and go to Texas Tech, which is going to be another big-time series to watch this weekend in the Big 12, a series that has ramifications going forward as far as who's going to win this conference, you know, potentially hosting implications as well. Oklahoma's outside of the hosting picture right now, or at least kind of on the bubble. They were in a week ago. We'll see if they're yeah, still in. We'll have we, to discuss uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, they were on the edge, and it's going to be tight now, and uh, obviously winning this weekend would, would be a huge step for them, and um, you know, we've talked about it here before, you know, they're in the stretch of this, this really, really tough four, four straight weekends of at TCU, Texas, at Texas Tech, and then Bedlam. And, um, you know, so far they're, they're three and three, uh, in those weekends. And, um, you know, if they can, if they can keep riding that, I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, maybe six and six is good enough. I, it's not probably not going to win the big 12 if they go six and six, but maybe that's enough to, to get where they, they want to get ultimately. But Oklahoma State, let's not overlook the Cowboys here, Mike. Um, they won a series at West Virginia. That's their uh, now third straight Big 12 series win uh, since a really strange – I like, I don't know. <laughs> Oklahoma State was a young team coming in. We knew it was going to take them a little bit of time, and they, they, did, they did not start the season well. And they, they lose a series at Arizona. Three straight weekends, they had three straight series losses at Arizona State, Eastern Michigan, and then, oh, I'm sorry, this is three of four weekends, at Arizona State, Eastern Michigan, and Texas, all series losses. And um, that's not a good stretch. And But they've they found a way to, to come back, to regroup. They're older as a team, or they're, they're maturing as a team. And, you know, they've now won these three straight Big 12 series, and they're right there with these other contenders. And, you know, they still have it all in front of them. They still have to play Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Yeah. No, it's Oklahoma State is certainly a really interesting case. 
They've done some really loud things these last few weeks. And, you know, a team that, as you said, a little bit younger, we weren't really sure coming into this year what to expect out of them. They've they've reloaded since the year they were in Omaha a couple of years ago. It's a, it's a, it's different a completely group. different team. It's a totally different team, and they've had to start from the beginning. And, and looking at what they've done this year, what's really interesting is the amount of success they've had, even though they're pitching to a, a 5.19 team ERA. They haven't... Which is not what you expect from the... That's no. Not, that's not their identity. Pitching, pitching has been their strength over the years. Rob Walton, their pitching coach, does an excellent job there. But there's just so much turnover on that staff. And just just looking at you know the different configurations they've tried on the weekend, different starters, different different guys out of the pen, it's really been difficult for them to piece it together on the mound. But it speaks to, you know, some of these experienced players on the team and also the coaching job that Josh Holiday has done there, that they've been able to find ways to win despite the fact that they haven't had traditionally strong pitching performances like we've come to know from that coaching staff and that team these last few years. So they're, they're an interesting case, there's no question. Um, I'm curious to see how they match up going forward uh, you know, against Oklahoma in a couple weeks and then finishing the Big 12 slate against Texas Tech. I'm interested, interested to see how those arms match up against those teams because you know, with, with some of the bats that both of those teams have, it's not going to be easy to pitch to them, um, especially you know, Steel Walker at Oklahoma and, and some of the veteran big bats in Texas Tech as well. So props to Oklahoma State for what they've done so far. I'm still, if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, I'm a little cautiously optimistic with them. But certainly, I think with, that's definitely fair. But certainly, with where their RPI is and with what they've done over these last few weeks, they put themselves in a good position. And as long as they're able to kind of hold their own here these next few weeks, I think you're looking at a, a potential regional team here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're sitting in the 30s RPI wise. Um, you know, they have. Not only those two Big 12 series, they also have a series at Iowa near the end of the year that, that should be helpful to them in terms of bolstering their resume. And, um, you know, that means that they're going to have to keep playing well. But if they do that, you know, I, I think they're in a, a very strong position here in the Big 12. Uh, you know, the top half of the Big 12 looks really good. And, you know, it continues to be the number two RPI league. And this is going to be a fight to the finish here. Uh, among the, these top few teams in this conference to, to see who, uh, who comes out as, as conference champions, if, if anyone can dethrone two-time defending champ Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget about, even though very likely they're out of the race here to win the Big 12, but we can't forget about TCU, a team that they went to Kansas this weekend you know, they had dropped a consecutive series to Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, and then went to Kansas and won that series, won the first two games. Swept third, it. Third, yeah, third was canceled. And that's a really important win for TCU. They were a team that, in our field of 64, we were trying to figure out with the metrics where they were. Should they it was, stay in? I mean, we, should we they... kept them in a week ago, and yeah. it was... We didn't feel great about it. Kind of an iffy decision. We but... didn't. We didn't feel great. We didn't feel great about keeping them in, but we also didn't feel great about taking them out, given what they. I mean, they've been to Omaha four straight years, well, and the talent is there. And yeah. If they get hot in the second half, they're not going to be who you want to see in your regional. And uh, you know that they've won four straight, and it's been an important four straight uh, to get them back. You know both in a good spot record-wise and RPI-wise and conference standings-wise. And right now, where they are today, I feel a lot better about them than I did a week ago. There's still a lot of work to be done. They still have um, you know, some tough series with, with Texas Tech, and, and Texas still on the schedule. Um, you know, but they're, they're looking a lot better right now, I think. Yeah, I think there's, there's reason to be a bit more optimistic, especially – doing what they did this weekend but you know they'll have another tough trip they're going to Baylor this weekend coming up and Baylor's been a team even though they're 7 and 17 and 17 overall they've shown flashes this year they've beaten some tough competition just ask, just ask Texas Tech yeah so it's there's there's no real gimme weekend in the Big 12 right now as we talked about the number 2 conference RPI overall so it's it's going to be an interesting race to watch unfold over these next few weeks yeah, um, and, and it's definitely one that, that we're watching, um, and uh, you know, we're uh, I'm don't know where I'm going with this. 
Uh, we're always watching. We're always watching, Teddy. We are. We, and we always know where we're going with things. As <laughs> if you've listened to next, this podcast. <laughs> where we're going next is uh, to, to the SEC, uh, where there were a couple of, of really significant series this weekend. Uh, and we're going to get to them. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Health IQ. How would you like to save money for being active and physically fit? Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com BA or call 1-800-549-1664 to talk to a Health IQ agent and mention the promo code BA for savings. Now, Mike, uh, like I just mentioned, a couple big SEC series, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, we put eight to nine teams in the top 25. We get outstanding series um georgia hosts kentucky mm-hmm. and kentucky goes on the road and wins a huge series um in terms of you know just getting back to that they were their sec record was not good before they were this weekend. they were definitely sliding a little bit i mean we've We've been on record, if you've listened to our podcast, if you've read our website at all, we've been on the Kentucky train this year. We like Kentucky. We like their team. We like their talent. We think they have a chance to make a lot of noise in the postseason. But that SEC record was a little concerning. They were slipping in the SEC East standings. And then you have this Georgia team who has been a a really pleasant surprise this year. And and you wrote, I know, a little bit about them this last week on BaseballAmerica.com if you want to take a deeper dive. But they've been a a really pleasant surprise in the SEC this year. They put themselves in great position. They're second to Florida in the SEC East, even after this weekend. So they've, they've put themselves in a really good position, a top 10 RPI. Kudos to them and the job they've done. But Kentucky needed something. They, they, they were 5-7 and seven in the SEC coming into this weekend. And yeah. they really hadn't proven that they could win on the road yet. You know, They'd won in Houston in a neutral environment, but in a true road setting, they hadn't done it yet. No, they were swept at Arkansas, which, again, was a really difficult series. They lost to Alabama, two out of three, which not not a great series loss for them. So they, you're right, they needed something. And, and so they go down there, and this is another uh, really tight series all weekend. And like we talked about with Texas, Kentucky got down in game one, found a way uh, to, to come back against the Georgia bullpen um, in the ninth inning and then win it in extras. Um, you know, so they take game one that way. Then on Saturday, they play a doubleheader. Um, Georgia jumps out to a big lead. Kentucky kind of fights back a little bit, forces Georgia to put Ryan Webb, who was scheduled to start game two, into the game uh, to close it out, setting up the, the rubber game. And Kentucky wins that one to nothing. Uh, really strong performance for them to, to close out a series win. Um, and it was, it was big for them for a lot of reasons. I don't want to overstate where they had been. You know, I, I think we trusted the talent would eventually start playing to a higher level. But, I mean, I, I personally feel a little bit better about Kentucky right now knowing that they have gone out and, and shown that they can win on the road, having been 1-5 in five entering this weekend in SEC Road Series. And this was a very tense series, uh, you know, and, and – to, to be able to win like that on the road, I think maybe is, is making me feel better about that. Yeah, and, and to clarify as far as our worries with Kentucky, I mean, neither of us, it's not like we were pressing the panic button with them. It was more just they were starting to slip a little bit, maybe even out of hosting range. Yeah, I was questioning how they could host. And yeah. I'm still, I mean, they, they still have work to do. The, the, they're still under 500 in the league, and you aren't going to host under 500 in the league. And I don't think they're finishing under 500 in the league. But, like, when they were where they were, knowing what they had still on their slate, it was hard to say, well, you know, they, they deserve to host over, you know, some of these other teams when when they have the league record that they do. Right, right. And, you know, obviously a big, big series win for them. They're now 7-8 and eight in the SEC. It's not going to get any easier. Rarely does it in the SEC. <laughs> They're hosting Florida this weekend coming up. They also have a midweek at Louisville. So I will point out 
that Kentucky has won back-to-back series in Lexington against Florida. You have to go back to 2012 for the last time the Gators won a series in Lexington. Um, so there's a little bit of history on their side. I don't know if that's going to matter, but if anyone is going to trip Florida up, maybe it's this weekend. Yeah, so that's yet another series, another SEC series to circle on your calendar to pay close do, attention do, if to. If you like top 10 series with what should be some good pitching matchups, yes. Florida at Kentucky this weekend uh, should be on your calendar. No doubt, no doubt. And then, of course, the other big SEC series this weekend that, that caused maybe the, the biggest shakeups in our rankings was Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. Uh, Vanderbilt takes that series at home, um, a great series win for the Commodores. Very, very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ole Miss wins on uh, whenever they started that series. I guess it was on Friday. And then there was rained out on Saturday. So that set us, sets up a Sunday doubleheader. And Ole Miss is winning both of these games late. Um, and their bullpen has been one of the strengths of this team all season long. But Vanderbilt finds a way in both games uh, to, to get walk-off wins and, you know, it, it, on uh, it a walk-off wild pitch in one of the games. Uh, but You, you know, take it any way you can get it. It happened. <laughs> the, Commodores, the Commodores found a way. And, yeah. and that's, that's, I mean, in some of these series, some of these, the, you know, when these two, real, two really good teams are going at it, you just got to take it however you can get it. Yeah. And, and so we didn't hit Ole Miss too hard in our rankings. We dropped them a couple spots. More so, the bigger change is, is we bumped up Vanderbilt. And I was sort of a big proponent of this in our call. And, you, you've been high on Vanderbilt much of the season. I, I have been. And for me, a, a big reason is I look at the non-conference schedule that they played. And then, you know, they start with a series against Duke, which is looking better and better. Duke is now up to number eight in our poll this week, which every every ranking they move up is their highest ever for us. They had never been ranked in our top ten. And... So they have that, that series win. They, they traveled out to some tournaments. Really, I mean, the only bad weekend they had in non-conference play was at the, the Shriners Hospitals for Children College Classic in Houston where they had dropped two games there. But I'll give them a pass for that. It's, it's a, a competitive tournament. But you look at what they've done in the SEC, their only mistake is getting swept at Florida, which, again, Florida's really good. Reigning champs, I'll give them a pass for that. Otherwise, though, these last two weeks, I think that they've made really loud statements with the dramatic wins against Ole Miss and taking that series. And then also the week before that, beating Georgia, as we had mentioned, a team that had really climbed to the top of the SEC East there. And they also have a series of wins against LSU. They went to Mississippi State and swept Mississippi State. They've got a good a good resume here. And, uh, you know, they're a team that, you know, as we've talked about this year, some of their younger pieces have really stepped up for them this year and have, have played huge roles for them. And they kind of had a, a, a strange, weird transitional year last year, but it seems like we're getting closer to the Vanderbilt teams that we're used to seeing year in and year out. Yeah, I still have some not insignificant questions about this Vanderbilt team. Um, they keep losing midweeks. They finally didn't this week, but they keep losing midweek games. Um there's a depth question in the bullpen for me, um, and they don't have a true ace, which I'm not that concerned about. Um, but the there's a depth issue, I feel like, and I don't think it's going to bite them. They're clearly winning SEC series despite it. Um, you know, I, they're in position to host. They're going to be fine with all of this. But, you know, I, that, is, that is an area of concern uh, going forward, um, you know, but this weekend was the, the way they fought through it on Sunday. I thought showed a lot about this team. It's a young team, and so for those young guys to to fight through a really tough day of baseball against a really tough Ole Miss team, I I, I was very impressed by it. And you know, they did it without JJ Blade and without Jason Gonzalez, uh, two of their their lineup regulars who who are out right now and. Um, you know, the, those kids found a way to, to, to come out with these wins. And, um, you know, they're, they're piecing it together in, in a lot of different ways. There, there are a lot of different ways Vanderbilt can beat you right now. And, um, you know, I, I think that is one of the most attractive things about the team is just that there are a lot of different weapons that they can deploy offensively. And 
you know, I'm not sure that Tim Corbin still knows what his yeah. best lineup is. You know, I know when I, the last time I talked to him a few weeks ago, he did, he said he didn't. Uh, and I don't know if he's, he's settled on it yet, but, um, you know, I don't think he needs to, because there's so many different, uh, ways that they can mix and match and, um, you know, depending on who's available on any given day. And, and so I, I think that, you know, when, when we look at this team and, and how they continue to grow, I, I think maybe that's one of the most exciting things about them is just that, you know, they, they have all of these different uh, pieces to, to put together offensively. Right. It's it's a different roster construction than some of these other teams that we're talking about in the SEC. Some of these elite teams that are also ranked highly in our poll. It's, it's not the, okay, you're going to bat third, you're going to bat fourth structure that we're seeing on some of these stack teams. It's different. They're going about it in a different way, but different doesn't always mean worse. And Vanderbilt, you can't argue with did their you get resume. That from a children's book? I did not get that from a children's <laughs> book. That's that's Lanana wisdom right there. That's pure Lanana wisdom. It's for me, you look at the resume, you can't argue with it. Vanderbilt deserves to be where they are right now and you know, I'm, I, I think you look at all these teams in the top 10 from the SEC, obviously Florida, Arkansas, but, you know, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, all these teams are going to be really interesting to watch going forward to see which one of them, if any of them, is able to pull ahead a little bit and break from this pack. It's going to be tough. Um, I think more likely they continue to beat up on each other a little bit, and we have this mishmash of really good teams here in the SEC. But we'll see going forward. And the ACC, though. Well, before we get there, okay. I wanted to All mention. All right, I jumped the gun. We, uh, I jumped the gun. Texas A&M and LSU uh, mm-hmm. out west, they've been a little under the radar. Um, yeah. They had, in A&M's case, they had a really poor start. It's strange to hear those two programs and the term under the radar <laughs> included with them. <laughs> Relatively under the radar. I mean, yeah. they've both been in the top 25 all year. But A&M had a really poor start to SEC play. They've now won six straight games, and their RPI is all the way up to 11. Yeah. And they're back above 500 in the league, and they've done it with a, a string of home games. Um Yes, but they are now playing much more like the team that I think we thought they would be. And they're about to head out on the road for two weeks, but it's at Tennessee and at Mississippi State. And if the SEC has two easy weekends, and it doesn't, but if it, they do, that's what it looks like. Um, so a and they're, they're on the rise right now. And LSU, which... Uh, is the team AM beat last week to, to start this uh, six-game winning streak. Uh, you know, bounced back with a sweep at, uh, of Tennessee. They had a really nice week overall, beating La Tech midweek. They've won four in a row, um, and, and they're now sitting at second place in the SEC West. And they're, they still have RPI work to do, but again, if they keep winning, it's going to take care of itself mm-hmm. in terms of getting it into a position where maybe they could host. And obviously in Baton Rouge, they're very used to hosting, and right now they're not in that position. And I think that's probably pretty worrisome for some people out there. But we're also getting into the second half of the season, which is when Palmineri's teams find their stride. And this weekend against Tennessee – Kind of looked like maybe what the, this week in general, maybe that was kind of what it looks like. And the way they won last night's game, Daniel Cabrera hitting a monster, absolute monster shot uh, to walk it off. And he knew it and he flipped the bat like he knew it. Uh, but he deserved that. And, and it was for Palmineri's 1400th win in his career. Very, very impressive all around for LSU. And, you know, just the, the fact that they're now up to second in the West, I, I, I found to be very intriguing as, as we look at the SEC race. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and I don't think, I, I think both of us have a lot of belief, obviously, in Coach Maneri and, and that program and the ability to, at the end of the year, be where we expect them to be. And I think even though the RPI is in the 40s right now, um, not where you're maybe used to seeing them, when it's all said and done, they're going to be right where we're used to seeing LSU Things are going to come together nicely for them. They have the roster pieces. So certainly they're on the rise. You know, you mentioned Texas A&M, and I like what they've done these last couple weeks. It was, it was much needed for them after they struggled a little bit with three straight series losses. Yes, three straight series losses. I am still a little concerned with what they've done on the road. They have struggled on the road. They haven't won a road series yet. Um, they lost at Auburn. They lost at Georgia. So we'll see what they do at Tennessee, a team that has given some teams run for their money this year. It's, it's at, been at a, home, Tennessee is tough. They beat Florida yeah. one game, and it w- they played Florida tough in Knoxville. And yeah, it, 
they did not play LSUS tough on the road this weekend. And that's another young team that, you know, it makes sense that they'd be – all of these teams are better at home, um, you know, across the country, really. Uh, yeah. But it would make sense that a team like the Volunteers, who are a little younger, would be a little more comfortable playing in Knoxville. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how the Aggies do here. I'd like to see them – win ideally both of these series i I think they need to win these series the next two weekends yeah because after that i mean they have florida and then they go to arkansas so that's going to be i I think they need to keep this hot streak going and and build up that head of steam as much as they can before um the gators come to town yeah but if they take care of business these next two weekends are going to be in very very good shape absolutely there's no question especially with their rpi at 11 right now yeah, I mean that's a loud number, and uh, you know they're they're starting to starting to play much more like the top ten team that they were uh, in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Speaking of top ten teams now, uh, yes, let's go, let's go to that ACC. Let's do it. <laughs> and we had a we had a top ten matchup in the ACC as well, where Duke, um, as as Mike mentioned, uh, in the top ten uh, for the first time ever, goes to Florida State. Uh, which was number nine this week, last week, mm-hmm. um, and Duke wins the series. They they won the two games uh, in Tallahassee. The third was rained out. That is Duke's first win at Florida State since 1994, uh, which is a long time ago. I was three years old, and uh, <laughs> so the Blue Devils had had a tough week weekend. Uh, previously at Wake Forest, losing a series, and they bounced back in a really big way, uh, beating the Seminoles, um, and, and they remain in first place in, in their division. Mm-hmm. And um, you know we've we've talked about just how Duke is continues to surprise, and they they aren't they're showing no signs really of slowing down at this point. They're second in the country to wins. Only Florida has more wins than Duke does right now. Yeah, I mean again. All credit goes to Coach Chris Pollard and and Josh Jordan, the recruiting coordinator, and the job that that coaching staff has done. I mean, they've really built this program up over the last few years, and we saw signs of them putting things together. We thought coming in, they're a regional team this year. We certainly expected them to have a good year. We didn't expect we'd be lying if we said we expected thirty and seven and first place in the coastal right now. I, I I'm not sure I'd be interested to ask them if they would have expected that. You know, I'm sure they expected to have success, but 30 and seven is loud, and first place in the coastal is loud. And this week is going to be a fun week in this area locally because we're going to have this collision course now of Duke against NC State, another team that has its highest ever ranking in our top 25. They're number two. They continued, even though they struggled in the opening game of Notre Dame, coughed up. For like the a, fourth week in a row, oh, yeah. they lost the, the opener of a series. They're still finding ways to come back, and now we have a top 10 series right here in our backyard between NC State and Duke. And beyond that, we have Duke and East Carolina playing a midweek game, which ECU, they dropped a series to South Florida this weekend, but it's really the first hiccup they've had in a while. ECU. They've they've been really good this year. They dropped out of our top 10, but they're still very much on the top 10 radar. And then uh, we have UNC playing state at the DPAP at, at Durham Bulls Park, where Duke plays, where Duke plays um, its home games. And Duke, as a result, will return to its on-campus home for the midweek game. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fun group here. Um, North Carolina, uh, won another series this weekend, and and they just have continued to to get a lot, you know. They they're find they're finding the right formula. I, yeah, they have they have found whatever was going wrong. Yeah, early in the season they've fixed it. They're winning games. They're winning consistently, and they're just off of Duke's pace in the division. Um, you know, just a half game because Duke uh, Duke's third game was was rained out. Um, I mean, this is the team that we expected to see. We ranked them six in the preseason. And while we expected State and Duke to be good this year, we certainly expected them to be good. We expected Chapel Hill, UNC to be the, the best of the bunch. And at this point, I mean, it's going to be really fun because these teams are all playing each other over these next few weeks. I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. We're, we're going to have to see, but... All teams are playing really well right now. They're clustered here in the same area, not many miles apart. 
So it's, uh, you know, people talk about March Madness in this area with UNC basketball and Duke basketball and occasionally state basketball as well up there in the Final Four and in the championship. It's going to be a little different this year, baseball-wise. We got all, all three of these teams are, are, are firing. ECU's doing really well. It's going to be really interesting to see who comes, comes out of this. I, um, the ACC does not guarantee that Duke and State play. They lucked into this weekend, uh, but we're everyone benefits by the ACC's scheduling luck. Uh, yeah. It's kind of ridiculous that they don't play uh, every year, but you know such is life with these ACC divisions uh, that a team twenty mile, teams twenty miles apart aren't guaranteed to play. But whatever, I digress. Um, but this weekend. When State and Duke go at it, uh, it's going to be very interesting. It's kind of two contrasting styles a little bit um, in that you know, they're both very old teams. They've got a lot of juniors and seniors, but State is maybe a little more offensive. Duke is maybe doing this a little more on pitching, which is a little surprising in itself. Uh, but I, I think that's going to be a fun one. And um, you know, Those teams are kind of separating themselves a little bit. Clemson is still there. Uh, you know, they're only a couple games behind NC State in, in their division race. But Clemson this weekend, what, with one of the bigger bigger upsets, was was beaten in Clemson. That's their second ACC series loss at home. This one comes at the hands of Miami, uh, which had been scuffling. But Miami gets off the mat, finds a way to go to Clemson, win a series. Evan McKendry pitched uh, lights out. To in the the decider on on Saturday and uh, you know the Hurricanes are still under five hundred overall but you know they're uh, they're 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 feisty and uh, you know they're healthier now too which is a, a really big uh, turn of events for for Miami yeah and that Friday game that that Friday the thirteenth game that they played oh my goodness I mean Miami scored eight runs in the ninth inning. Eight runs in the top of the ninth inning to force extras. They went twelve innings. I mean, that's disastrous for Clemson. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it it looks worse on Clemson probably than it looks <laughs> good for Miami. Anytime you cough up eight runs in an inning, but I mean, you have to give credit too to Miami hitters for not giving. They could very easily just go up there those three at bats in the ninth and just say, "Hey, we're not coming back in this." You know, may as well sway at everything. Clemson literally scored five runs in the bottom of the eighth to pad their lead. They have a commanding lead. They're they're up eleven to three here, and Miami scores eight runs in the top of the ninth. I mean, that's just that's unbelievable. That's some Friday the Thirteenth magic. And I don't want to go overboard here, but if we look back a month from now, it's quite possible that that will have saved Miami's season. It, it certainly is. I mean, they they still have a lot of work to do, but. Um, you know, getting getting safely above 500 is chief among those goals. Just getting to 500 overall would be a good start. But yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's similar. I mean, that's why. I mean, the ACC is is very. Uh, we've talked about it before. It's a very bizarre year this year. I mean, even a team. I mean, Wake Forest is third in the Atlantic right now. They're only three games back of state, and they still play the two teams in front of them. They could conceivably win it, but they're also below 500. They're 17 and 20. Um, Looking at Miami's upcoming schedule here. Yeah. Pittsburgh, at Florida State, Bethune-Cookman, at Virginia Tech, Boston College. I think they get this done. It's Yeah, that's doable. Um, that's very doable. I mean, obviously, the at Florida State, anything can happen there. Um, it's a rivalry series. It's going to be a very emotional rivalry series this year, especially it being Jim Morris's final year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, throw, throw the records out in that one. But even so, Florida State's scuffling right now, and if they don't get right this weekend at Boston College, um, you know, they're going to be, you know, looking at, at, you know, an extended skid at that point when Miami comes. Yeah, so it's... Again, there's there's a lot to <laughs> there's a lot that needs to happen these next few weeks. But right now, I mean, again, a hat tip goes to the Duke coaching staff and also to NC State for what both of those teams have been able to pull off this year. 
no easy feat, especially given the competition that they have. And really, I mean, the stranglehold that a team like Louisville has had over the ACC since they joined the conference, uh, Florida State, a team preseason number three for us, a lot of talent. I mean, those are the powers. Teams like that, obviously Carolina, too, a team with a lot of returning talent. Those are the teams that you expect. And here you have NC State and Duke not only leading the their respective divisions, but also both in the top ten of this poll. Pretty impressive. Absolutely. Uh, two of the, the bigger surprises uh, around the country this year. Um, you know, those, were, those were the bigger conference series. We also had a fun little non-conference jaunt uh, with uh, Oregon State heading out to, to Springfield uh, to play Missouri State at yeah. Springfield, Missouri. Um, and uh, Oregon State just... You know, they they lost two series back to back coming into this weekend, and uh, they shouldn't sure look like a team that lost back to back series uh, going to play a team that made super regionals a year ago uh, on Friday when they scored twenty seven runs uh, in like eleven innings, I think it was uh, at Missouri State. It's a lot of runs, uh, not a lot of innings, and it was much needed from Oregon State. I think I think they let out a little frustration, maybe you could say, uh, given really these last couple of weekends that they've had. They dropped back-to-back Pac-12 series at Utah, surprisingly, a team that's still 9-25 and overall. That that series is still mind-boggling to me. <laughs> and then lost at Arizona, which a team that's, that's less mind-boggling. Arizona is starting to put things together a little bit. But um, going to Missouri State, uh, a very good team this year, battling with Dallas Baptist. In, in that conference, for them to, for Oregon State to come in there and put up the kind of run totals that they did, certainly really impressive. And I have to think, you know, maybe they're feeling a little bit better. And this is kind of what we were talking about last week, where maybe this break from Pac-12 play, they can kind of figure things out a little bit and then come back. Now they're playing Oregon, which obviously that that's going to have some rivalry action and a, a little extra Pat Casey feel tried to, to it. downplay that to me last <laughs> night or two nights ago, but... Uh... I guess that was just yesterday. Uh, the days <laughs> run together. But, no, I mean, it, it is, it's a big rivalry. But yeah. his point was that they're not in a position where they can look at anyone as a rival. Everyone has to be a rival. And I think that's fair yeah. given where they are in that conference and how tightly bunched that conference is. Yeah, and, and we were talking about it last night. I mean, we, we've been talking a lot about Stanford and Oregon State this year, but UCLA currently leads the conference right now, and they're they're on a little bit of a roll. They're 22-9 and nine overall. Their RPI is up to 35. They're 11-4 and four in the conference. They swept Utah in Utah this weekend. Uh, they have that series win against Stanford, which is going to be very good for them going forward. They're in good shape right now. They're in great shape, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, 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 we've talked about some teams getting healthier. They're a team that, that has gotten healthier. Um, you know, they're still hoping that they can get healthier still. Um, and, you know, it's going to be very intriguing to see that team, if they can get back to 100%, what, what, that, what that looks like for them. And they've got a rivalry this week uh, coming up as well with uh, USC, the big crosstown mm-hmm. uh, showdown in L.A. And uh, they're going to be looking for a little bit of payback after um, the Trojans won the game at Dodger Stadium earlier uh, this season. But, you know, so that that's a big one for UCLA. That That's kind of a, a series that they, they, you know, they, they can keep things rolling here. Yeah. And, um, you know, it finishes a little more difficult for them. They still have road trips to Arizona, Washington, and Oregon State to come. Those are three teams in the top half of the Pac-12. I expect all three of them to stay there. Those are going to be tough for UCLA. But... Having said that, it's a team that's playing really well right now. That has a lot of talent, and you know they conceivably, um, you know, could go out and, and you know it, hold this position they have at the top of the conference. I, I thought that what they did this weekend, um, you know, scoring, um, trying to do math here really quickly, mm-hmm. scoring uh, is that forty runs? That can't possibly be right. Um, 34 runs. That's That sounds better. Um, at uh, Utah... We need the calculator here for the, I, <laughs> the, the Baseball America podcast. Mental math on the fly while I'm talking. Not, not the easiest. Uh, yeah. but, I mean, they, they put up a lot of runs this weekend at Utah, and, and I think that offense has been very solid all season. And, and now that they're getting a little healthier on the mound, I, I think the two of those things coming together makes the Bruins a very dangerous team. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any question. And, you know, we have a really interesting 
three-horse race here now at the top of the Pac-12 between UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon State. Obviously, UCLA, in terms of conference standings, has the edge right now, but Stanford's right there, only half a game back, and they're, of course, number three in our poll. It's going to be interesting to see which of these teams in the middle group of the Pac-12 emerge going forward, which of these teams make it. I mean, you have a team like Washington, which is third in the standings, but 17 and 15 overall, 52 RPI. They're they're kind of bubbly. I think right now, yeah, they're bubble. If the season ended, I think that being third in the Pac-12 would Correct. carry the day. Correct. Uh, but they're also, I mean, that overall record is shaky, and they can you know, they can't feel like they're they're in good they're in safe hands at this point at all. But this right. weekend, beating Oregon in a series was was a big one for for the Huskies. Right, and then you have you have Arizona, as we mentioned, a team that seems to be on the rise. You know, they're going to have an opportunity this weekend against Stanford if they can get a win there, or you know, obviously even take the series. That would be huge for them. Um, you have a team, Oregon's going to have a great opportunity against Oregon State this weekend. They're a team that has battled some inconsistency, but has shown some flashes this year. And Cal, which is down in the RPI, Cal has probably the most work to do, at least from an they RPI. They absolutely have the most work at, to do. At least from an RPI standpoint. But they still have a trip to Stanford and a trip to Creighton, which Creighton's RPI has been declining a bit, but they're a team that has performed well to this point so far this year. So, it's going to be interesting which of these teams, because we know the Pac-12 obviously is going to be more than a three-bid league. I'm curious to see which of these teams secure those bids going forward. My hunch is this is a five-bid league. It's a little early to talk about that in some ways, but my hunch is it's a five-bid league, and it's the five teams you're looking at right now. I think Cal and Oregon have both left themselves with too much work to do. Um I think Washington can get it done. And I feel really good about Arizona. I think, as I mentioned a week ago, the schedule sets up really well for the Wildcats. They're back to 500 in the league, which is significant. Um, they're in the 30s in RPI. You know, I, I think the Arizona, you know, again, you can't feel secure, but I, I think they're, they're in a, a solid position uh, overall. I will also want to briefly get to, or quickly get to Missouri State here, which a week ago had some momentum and I think was eyeing up what could have been a pretty big week with Missouri coming to town and then Oregon State and then they have Arkansas on Tuesday here. Uh, all opportunities to really make a mark, um, you know, put their flag in the ground as, as a regional team firmly or, or, you know, declare themselves as the team to beat in the Missouri Valley they're 0-3 in the stretch now, and their RPI has cratered. Uh, they're into they're down to 64, and suddenly Missouri State has work left to do. And I, it's still doable. You know, I still think they can make a regional. Uh, the The conference they play in is is a solid one, but uh, th- this was not what Missouri State was hoping for with with the big time spotlight coming to town of, of Missouri and Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, even just stealing a win, just one of those, it would have been helpful. They do have a trip to Arkansas this week, which is going to give them another opportunity. And they do have, you know, going forward, they have several series remaining on the road, including finishing at Dallas Baptist, which is going to be key, not only for RPI standpoint, but likely for the conference lead at that point, depending on how they both teams fare these next couple weekends. DBU, of course, is in our top 25 at number 20. They just keep winning. They do. They do. I, they they just find ways. And you know, every week I'm like looking at their scores and like it's a tight game and all of a sudden DBU scores like five runs late and they wind up pretty comfortably winning their, their games. It's a it's an impressive offense. Yeah, I mean really the only thing they've done wrong this year is they got swept at Clemson. Uh, that's that's the only mistake that they've made this year. But otherwise, Dallas Baptist has been cruising. They've played really, really well of late. And, uh, you know, the Missouri Valley is, is going to be fun to watch between those two. Right now, Bradley leads. Yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I do think those are the top two teams in the league. But, you know, I mean, we got Bradley sitting here at 19 and 9. And they're leading the league at 7 and 2. And Illinois State has been tough uh, this season. They, they've, got a, they've got a win at Washington. Um, and, uh, you know, Indiana State. It has been a really solid team, or was really solid in the non-conference. They're only three and six in the league now, but uh, you know they've been pretty tough. So it's a it's an intriguing league, and um, you know 
I, I do think Dallas Baptist is the team to beat here, but it, it's going to be an exciting um, you know second half of the year in the MVC, I think. No doubt, no doubt. And then uh, you know bouncing around a little bit more, uh, we mentioned ECU a little bit and the American. The American remains. The American is doing its thing again. Yeah. Mike, have you looked at the American standings yet? I'm looking at it right now. We have a three-way tie for first place. Between South Florida, Houston, at and Cincinnati. Seven and five. At seven and five. <laughs> and then we have ECU and Yukon both half a game out. Uh, both of those teams, you know, Yukon has put together a nice couple of weekends. They have series wins against UCF and at Wichita State. Very impressive from the Huskies. Suddenly their RPI is in the top ten. They're number nine in RPI right kind of now. Stunningly, considering they have a series loss at the Citadel, which is like two sixty one. <laughs> The thing that benefits UConn is they play a million hella games, games on the road. Uh, they've they've only played six home games this year, so that's that's a big benefit for UConn. But yeah, the American now all of a sudden Wichita State, a team that was on on the borderline of getting in our top twenty five, they're eighth in the conference, although they're only at one and a half they're games back. The, the top eight team, <laughs> Memphis is one and eight and has been kind of non-competitive in the league to this point. Uh, but the top eight teams are separated by a game and a half. It's it's insane. It's a battle royale. It's going forward. I mean, every year, like clockwork, the American does this. It's. it's I don't know what they have. I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't get how this happens every single year. But here we are, and we can't like trying to separate these teams is not easy. And you know, I think South Florida had a, a strong case for the the top twenty five, and in another week. Um, they get in probably. Yeah. Um, this was a week where we weren't looking for new teams. We didn't have many holes to fill. And um, you know, there have been weeks this year where we've been looking for new <laughs> teams. Uh, but th- this was not one of them. But but South Florida, a very intriguing team, and I thought the way they won this weekend was it, it showed a lot. Well, their their ace got rocked. I was on hand the Friday night uh, uh, at ECU. Shane McClanahan, their ace, only lasted four innings. He really struggled. Really struggled against ECU. They win that game fifteen to two. Bryant Packard had a huge game, hit two home runs, nearly had a grand slam. Huge game. But then South Florida comes back the very next day. They win thirteen to one. They they return. They give ECU a taste of their medicine, and then win a very closely played game the next day five to four they very much did give ecu a taste of their own medicine i don't know if you saw this mike but on uh so in that saturday game uh joe janord uh, mm-hmm. of usf is taking his time getting into the box a little bit and gavin williams ecu pitcher like i guess like yells at him to get in the box something and so finally janord does get in the box and he goes deep off of him and he pimped the home run rather intensely. And that set up a whole line of fireworks. Um, But, and obviously, uh, I wasn't there, but I can only imagine, and I I, I saw uh, some other reports of how the ECU faithful, uh, who are lively, uh, they're treated, a lively group. Treated George <laughs> the rest of the weekend. But, you know, so South Florida is a team that you look at. McClanahan is going to be like a top 10 pick in the draft, top 5 pick potentially. And the way they set up, you figure it's just like, okay, win with McClanahan on Friday, find a way to win one other game, we, you win the series. Well, that hasn't really been the way it's working for them of late, and it definitely wasn't this Friday. Mm-hmm. And, and ECU is a team that's really struggled in game ones the last month or so of the season. And so for them to win on Friday and then not be able to finish the series, and, and conversely for USF to, to get beat with their ace on the mound, their, their you know, ace, capital letters, all capital letters, ace on the mound. I mean, a lefty who can touch 99. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a premier pitcher. He's got stuff. <laughs> so, so you get beat with him on the mound, and then you come back on the road, win the next two games. Uh, I, I thought that would, said a lot about USF. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's a intriguing team going forward you know they also beat UConn earlier this year and we obviously have liked UConn a lot throughout the season Uh, they've been on our top 25 before and you know so I I like what the the Bulls have and um, you know first year coach Billy Mole inherited a a, you know he was the pitching coach now he's promoted and he's taken over a, a really good group of 
of players, and, and they're he's got them playing very well at, at a good time in the year. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Uh, but again, I'm going to avoid making any bold <laughs> predictions in the American because it's seriously a revolving door. You know, just when we thought that maybe we were starting to get just a, a tiny ounce of separation, just a tiny ounce, very little with East Carolina, they dropped this weekend series. Although they, they're a prime bounce-back candidate, they're going to Memphis this weekend. And as we said, Memphis has not fared very well this year, that's, at uh, the very least. That, that's a rough uh, rough start. The 1-8 in for, the conference. So you would hope, but again, the American, again, I'm not going to make a prediction. It would be just like the American for Memphis to finally win a series and it to be this week. If, if Memphis was in second place in the American like three weeks from now, uh, absolutely, 100%. I would not be surprised. Because... If Memphis was in second place two weeks from now, if they go to like 6-0 <laughs> from here on, like I... 100%. It just wouldn't be a surprise because this conference is just cuckoo. But I think uh, you know I think we've covered a really well, before we uh, before broad... we wrap it up. Okay, I wanted to get to another uh, slightly less crazy but still kind of crazy conference, the Big Ten. Uh, we right. brought Illinois into the top twenty-five this week after a couple weeks of them being out. They're back. Um, Indiana continues to roll. They swept Northwestern. Uh, they're up to number twelve in the top twenty-five. Illinois checks in at number twenty-five. Michigan has won 17 straight games after a pretty terrible start to the season. That was a really young team. We talked about this with Oklahoma State. Young team maturing, finding itself. Michigan's doing that, and they haven't lost in a really long time. And they're 8-0 in the conference. Uh, Minnesota's a team that was right on the edge of the top 25-2. They've won seven in a row. Um, They're 7-1 in the league. Ohio State continues to play really well. Iowa's playing really well. So these are the top six teams in the Big Ten. And over the next few weeks, they're all playing each other a lot. Um, And so I think the next three weeks in the Big Ten are going to tell us a lot about who, how it all will shake out. You know, we really believe Indiana is the best team in the league. Um, They're going to get the opportunity to prove that. And some of these other teams that that are trying, you know, maybe looking at Indiana preseason favorite, you know, thinking, you know, we can compete with them. Well, they're going to get their chance to prove it this weekend. And, and where the standings are in, in just a, a couple of weeks here, I, I think, is going to give a lot more clarity to this league. Um, but it, it's a really good group at the top of the Big Ten, and um, they're all playing really well. And, and I think that's going to be fun to watch over the next few weeks. Definitely. A lot of, a lot of really cool storylines there and a lot of teams that aren't separated by many games in the standings at this point. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. There, there's no question about that. The Big Ten, you know, they rank sixth in conference RPI right now. Um, Illinois and Indiana, obviously, both are top 25. And we'll see. I mean, we've talked about some of these teams, specifically Minnesota as a team, on the radar for us in the top 25. So we'll see who else could play in and how it factors into our field of 64 projections as well going forward. Absolutely. The, that will be uh, very intriguing to this week try and parse which yes. of these big time teams uh, we're, uh, we put in and which we do not. Teddy's exasperated tone right now really <laughs> does perfectly represent how difficult putting together this field of 64 is going to be this week. But we're going to do it because we care about you, because we know you like it. And we're going to put it together, and we're going to do our best, as yeah, we always check do. Check it out on uh, Wednesday. It'll, yeah. be over, it'll be up over at uh, BaseballAmerica.com. I, I want to point out a couple quick things, and then I'm going to give the floor to you. Awesome. If you want to say anything else, um, I, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Friday. We had two players, not just one. I thought it was just one. <laughs> I, missed, I missed one, but I'm glad for everyone on Twitter who pointed out that there was a second one. Thank you. On Friday, there were two different players who had five home run days. Two different players. That's insane. That's crazy. So we have Austin P, first baseman, Parker Phillips. And again, so not again, but both of these players played in doubleheaders. So let's, let's clarify. They, they happen in doubleheaders, but it's still an impressive accomplishment nonetheless. Parker Phillips, Austin P, went six for eight, five home runs, 10 RBIs. Great day. Great day. Fantastic day. That's a day Parker Phillips is probably never going to forget. And now, Miami of Ohio, Ross Haffey, 7 for 9, 5 home runs, 12 RBIs. On the same day, Friday the 13th, some more Friday the 13th magic, we have two players who have excellent luck on that day. Both hit 5 home runs. 
Shout out to both of you. What while, a we're, while we're talking about Ross Haffey, I want to mention that he hit another home run. That, that, so that series, because they played a doubleheader, did not, they didn't play on Saturday. The series resumes on Sunday. First inning, he homers again. Six homers on the weekend. Tip of the cap, Ross Haffey. Tip of the cap. I've seen a lot of games at Ball Diamond. A lot of times when the wind's blowing out, I don't think I've ever seen six homers in, in a weekend. It's that's that's a lot of homers. That's more homers than I hit this weekend, for sure. Yeah. I only hit like four or five. Only four? Only on. only four or five, yeah. Um but anyway, Teddy, uh, you know, that's all I have to bring to the table. Yeah, I feel really good about my podcast performance today. Um <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I left nothing to be desired, but if I did Find me on Twitter at mlanana, L-A-N-A-N-N-A. Find me, tweet at me, and uh, we'll discuss it. Teddy? I got a couple things I want to mention here. Uh, first, we got Noah Zavolois, uh, and I apologize to Noah, whose name I probably just mis- mispronounced. But the Harvard senior threw a no-hitter against Yale on Friday. Uh, that's a huge rivalry, obviously, uh, you know, one of, one of the oldest in the country, and, you know, he strikes out a career-high 12 batters, um, just a walk and an error uh, were the only blemishes on the day. Uh, and that's the first no-hitter for Harvard since Ben Crockett threw one in 2001. And Ben Crockett uh, is now the Red Sox player development director. So maybe Noah's on a, on a big league path here. Um, hmm. We'll see. Um, also, Samford. We mentioned... Um, Michigan's Michigan with its 17 game winning streak. Uh, Samford has a 12 game winning streak now, and they uh, that's their longest winning streak since 1959. Impressive. Mm-hmm. They did it this weekend by sweeping Mercer, the three time defending SoCon champs, and they held Mercer to one run all weekend. That's pretty good. That was a that was a good weekend for the Bulldogs, who are now in first place in the SoCon. Very impressive. They also beat Auburn, like really beat Auburn uh, pretty good in a midweek game. Uh, so the Samford riding high, uh, very impressive winning streak. Still chasing, however, Tennessee Tech, which has now won 20 games in a row, demolished Murray State this weekend. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, they scored a lot of runs, and they are just cruising in the Ohio Valley, and you can probably call that race at this point. Um Although Moorhead State still going to have something to say about that, maybe, uh, especially since they closed the season uh, with, with a hosting Tennessee Tech. Uh, but Tennessee Tech has just been dominant. I mean, um, 20 straight runs is 20 straight wins. That's... Yeah, they've won 20 in a row. They have 29 wins overall, which is third most in the country. Only Florida and Duke more wins than Tennessee Tech. Again, the, the Golden Eagles just continue to, to be very impressive here. Um, so that, I believe, will wrap us up. We, uh, we've covered a lot of topics today. We did, even some Ohio Valley talk. Uh, we got the Ohio Valley in. We got the Maction in. Um, you know, we, we, got, we got Missouri Valley. We got, got Missouri some, Valley. We got some Big 12. We got some American. We got it, a little bit of everything. A, it, it was, there was a lot. There was no fun belt. But otherwise, I mean, I, I feel no, like we, we hit it. And Coastal, I, we'll just get some fun belt right now. Coastal continues to roll. And then let's throw in some colonial athletic. We have oh, actually, we have Charleston. Yes. We have College of Charleston. Yeah, very very interesting series in the CAA with, with Charleston and Northeastern going at the top two teams in the league. And um, Northeastern had that has a pretty crazy RPI still uh, despite losing the series. Charleston finds a way to come out with the the first two wins. Northeastern gets a win on Sunday. Very important win for the Huskies. Uh, they're Right, we had them in the field of 64 last week. They're probably still there, you know. And and Charleston really shoring up its resume this weekend. I feel like, um, you know, their RPI is in the 30s. They have a sweep of Georgia. They won a series at K State. If they don't win the CAA's auto bid and they finish this out from this point, they continue to take care of business. I think the Cougars are. Uh, in a strong position to to get an at large if they need it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, a great job there by Chad Holbrook after you know the fans in South Carolina essentially kind of willed him out of of South Carolina. He's he's hasn't missed a beat since he's gone to Charleston. Again, as you said, twenty seven and ten, really impressive 
weekend series win against Northeastern. They have the sweep against Georgia earlier in the year, which is looking better and better by the day. So really impressive, 27-10. and 10. They're now one win shy of last year's total. Yeah, so they've, I mean, Chad Holbrook has really done a, a nice job taking over that team, and there's a lot of talent on that team as well. This isn't anything about this is flukish. So a tip of the cap to them as well. I think, uh, you know, so now we have the Colonial. We did the Sun Belt Conference. We're, we're overflowing here, and we're, and I there there was a really great weekend of college baseball, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. It was, there was a jam-packed weekend, and, you know, it's only going to get going forward. These podcasts, I think, are only going to get juicier because we're going to have hosting conversation. We're going to have RPI. Who isn't excited for that? We're going to have bubbles on bubbles on bubbles, <laughs> bubbles everywhere. It's going to be like College Station with all the bubbles, all the bubble talk, because they have the bubbles. No, they know, do. They, I, they, they blow the bubbles. I, I'm right there with you. They, they hit the home the, runs. The bubble that's, machines, that's the, the reference. That's the thing, I was yeah. expecting a bigger laugh, Teddy. Uh, you I, I, you I apologize. You could have given me an LOL there. I mean, come on. All right, guys, that's all I have for you. Uh, so, yeah, with that, uh, thank you uh, for listening. Remember to check out all of our content over at BaseballAmerica.com if you thought this podcast was jam-packed. Uh, there is way more over there. Uh, so make sure to, to check that out. Follow Mike on Twitter. He's at MLanana. I'm at Ted Cahill. Um, we'll have plenty more to come this week. already mentioned the projected field of 64 and all the other wonderful things that, that you expect from us uh, throughout the week. We will be back here next week for another podcast, um, and you can find that uh, wherever podcasts are found, iTunes, Stitcher, um, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, I don't know. Um, th- those seem like the main if ones. You, if you want, I'll just give you a call and I'll just talk to you. <laughs> I'll just talk to you for an extended period of time if you want. We could do it that way too. I, I think it would be better though <laughs> if you just subscribed either on iTunes or SoundCloud or, or iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play because then it just comes to you and you don't even have to think about it. And That's, it just shows up on your phone. Not thinking is nice. I, I think it's a benefit. Yeah. No um, so yeah, make sure you do that. And while you're there, maybe just review us. Give us a five-star rating maybe. I don't know. That's that's, I, that's your call. I felt I not every podcast feels like a five star, but this feels like a five star. I mean, come on. I mean, you've made it to this point. I feel like we've really rounded into form on this podcast. It was a little shaky at the start, but we, we got better as the season went on. We're like Oklahoma State right now. I, I think so. Or, or I, Michigan. I think so. One of those teams. Yeah. Remember to uh, to check us out, and uh, we'll be back here next week. And uh, so we want to thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College Podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ helps health conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com slash BA to see if you qualify. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit baseballamerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.